I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hi, I'm Joe Connolly with producer Neil A. Caruso. And today you are going to hear about ideas to get this economy improving faster. I'll introduce you to Jane Oates of WorkingNation.com, which finds new solutions for changing the economy. And companies are already finding a lot of solutions, but we need all the help and ideas we can find. And Jane is a former Assistant Secretary of Labor in the U.S. Labor Department, also a former teacher in New Jersey. Jane, a lot of companies were hoping to bring employees back after Labor Day, then late in the year. Now a lot of them are talking about, well, maybe April, May, or June. Where are we right now in getting people back to work? Joe, I think uh, we're in the great unknown. I mean, every week we get new information that either contradicts the information that we got the week before or sets us off in a new orbit. As you said, so many people, first of all, telling their current employees they continue to they can continue to work from home. First, the tech industries. Then we've heard from other industries that they've prolonged that into next summer for many of them. And some of them saying, like Microsoft, that you you can work from home for good. You know, we've seen lots of hope uh, with employers like the big box stores, Amazon and Walmart, like CVS hiring people, but we're not quite sure with some of these employers how long that employment is going to be. Is it just through COVID or is it permanent? The Federal Reserve says that some companies in the New York area want to hire new employees, but they're reluctant to hire them until they can meet them and talk with them in person, not online. Have you heard anything like that? Well, I have heard that a number of employers are using this new staffing agency model. We've seen a lot of it all over the country, and New York always has been a place where staffing agencies have been a vibrant source uh, for employers to kind of see before they buy. And, you know, some of the newer methods, specifically in tech, the the talent path with genuine, the Reviture model, uh, they, they've been going strong throughout this, this pandemic. But we've 
even seen some new models coming up in healthcare. Optimum is the one I'm looking at, you know, where literally healthcare uh, industry, the healthcare industry, it started in Florida, but it's going nationwide, is doing their tech talent in, in healthcare through these staffing agencies. Now, is that because, as you say, Joe, people want to wait until they can see somebody? I think that's that's possible. I also think they're waiting to see what the longer term trends are going to be. You know, what's happening? I mentioned healthcare. What's going to happen permanently with telemedicine? And quite frankly, what's going to happen permanently in terms of people working full time remotely? Jane, does hiring through a staffing agency usually mean hiring a contractor with no benefits? Or are these usually good jobs, at least as long as they last? Yeah, I think it depends on the staffing agency. The models that I mentioned really give people usually something between six and 12 months of paid training. So literally you go in, whether you're uh, out of high school or whether you're a college graduate, and get very specific training on what these staffing agencies require uh, for their client base. So what 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 the clients are telling them they need. So it could be you know, you're going to get a heavy dose of Tableau so you can go and do data visualization. Or it could be that you're going to be actually learning coding. Whatever it is, is that the, I think the underlying question, is that a permanent need for the employer or a temporary need, that client? And just before we get to Neil, you mentioned two or three staffing and recruiting companies that you are impressed with. What were the three? One was Reverture or something, in case people want to write them down. Mm-hmm. It's Spell Reverture, that. R-E-V-A-T-U-R-E. The second is, the company is called Genuent, G-E-N-U-E-N-T, and the program is called Talent Path. And the third is the newest one, and it's actually a partnership with uh, hospitals in the Florida area. It's Optimum, O-P-T-I-M-U-M. It's the newest of the three. Both of the others have been around for at least three years. This is why we like these podcasts. We can go into more uh, information for people than on the half-hourly reports on the radio. Neil. So, Jane, how do you think people should think about the future of the workforce, you know, getting back to work safely? The partnership for New York City says the focus right now should be health standards in office buildings. What would you say businesses and employees should focus on in order to return safely? So safety is key, right? I mean, you want to make sure that when you're returning, you have solid procedures in place to ensure that common areas are really safe. And by common areas, I mean things like elevators. You know, what's the process for cleaning those elevators? Is there a process to ensure that only so many people get on at one time? Public restrooms. I mean, really, we've all seen public restrooms where people sign in that they're clean several times a day. But what kind of cleaning is really going on at all the places that people touch in that facility? And then you see things. Every office knows they have things like break rooms and coffee spots. Where what are the what's the cleaning process? 
policy there and how you know efficient and effective are they being in maintaining it one of the things as soon as an office opens it's going to be pristine but what are the real things they're putting in place to make sure it stays uh, safe and clean and are they giving the workers as they come back whatever protective equipment they think they need whether it's masks and gloves whether it's disposable things you know you think about uh, job sites are there things that you could be using that are disposable whether it's simple things like the mugs you have in the break room do they all become throwaway cups or when you think about real things that are a part of your job are is more than one person using the printer and if that's the case or the copy machine what are the procedures in place to make sure it's cleaned regularly yeah you know it's funny i think a lot of us kind of look back on past flu seasons and wonder if we had these safety measures in place if, uh, you know, sickness wouldn't spread like wildfire in an office building. Uh, and, and we look at that now a little bit uh, in, in a different lens. Well, Neil, I think you're right, exactly right there. And I think these many of these processes will remain long after we forget what COVID was. I mean, I think it's making us much more aware. You know, all of us know the OSHA compliance things, but much more aware of thinking things like, God, you know, we we never had a standard for cleaning the coffee machine. You know, that's all going to change. One of the good things to come out of COVID. There's not much, but this will be one of the good things. Jane, a topic that's always fascinated me, and I think many people, is changing careers to get back to work now, if the case may be. What advice do you have from your experience on changing careers? Joe, this is the hardest thing in the world. You know, you're a 40-year-old. You've worked hard since you left school, whether it was high school or college, and now your job has evaporated. Uh, Thinking about reinventing yourself is probably the hardest thing you can do professionally, right? You thought you were going to live and die in that that profession. So first, I would say be patient with yourself. And second, I would say really look at the move you're making through the lens of labor market information. Don't just follow an idea without really researching it. So what does that mean to somebody who's not a labor geek like I am or a workforce geek? It means make sure when you're thinking about what you might like to do, you make sure there's jobs in the region where you live. So uh, don't don't explore. I'll give you a silly example, but it will give your listeners a real idea. Don't think about uh, being uh, a wind turbine technician if there's no wind turbines in your area. You know, I mean, you're wasting your time. So really set yourself up for success by doing a little bit of research before you start to build your path. And lastly, I would say to you, it is a path. We are all going to be lifelong learners in the 21st century. Education is never going to be again a one and done if it ever was in the past. So think about taking incremental steps to get to that job you really want, rather than saying, I'm gonna wait until I can be a data scientist. So really think about taking small steps to get to that career, if it's something that's far and away different than what you've been doing in the past. And we hear stories about people, you know, going from being a Broadway uh, set designer to becoming a computer programmer. But my impression is that people usually change jobs 
by applying their existing skills to a different or parallel industry that may value them more. Do you think that is correct to try to use your current skills in another company or another industry? Absolutely. And you bring up such a terrific point, Joe, because you have to know what your skills are. It's no longer just doing job title to job title. So can I go from being, you know, a banker to a middle school math teacher? I mean, that's not the way it's it's not going to be a straight line. It's going to be a rich pathway that has lots of circles. So you have to make sure that you can articulate to yourself and to others what your skills are, because lots of us have done things as hobbies or like part time things that we don't get paid for in, in our own community where we've developed rich skills. And I think one, you've hit on one of the weakest things we all do uh, right now. We can't really clearly say what skills we have, because if you can't articulate your skills, you can't figure out that crosswalk between what you've done before and what you want to do in the future. But you brought up a good one, though. I never thought of a banker becoming a math teacher. That makes, that sounds like a sensible move to me. Oh, Joe, that that's something that's a real one. You'll remember uh, in the early part of this century when the, the banking industry went crazy in New York and did a lot of shedding and jobs. It was while I was with Governor Corzine in New Jersey, and we had to figure all these New York financial people uh, who lived in New Jersey, what were we going to do with them? You know, how could we get them into good jobs? And that math teacher route at the middle school, the high school, and quite frankly, at the community college and as adjunct, even at our four-year colleges then in New Jersey, was a terrific pathway. And many of those former bankers really loved what they were doing. And you can imagine the richness they brought to education because they could tell kids as they were learning algebra, as they were learning statistics, where they could use it in the real work world. It was it was a win-win. So I hope people who are listening, really think about teaching uh, in, in regards of wherever they are as teaching as a viable alternative. We are going to have better K-12 and better post-secondary education if more people from industry come in and give us that link between relevance in the work world and what you're learning in your classroom. Jane, we've seen new companies, new industries being created in past recessions. And I'm wondering, you know, what new jobs are being created now that you see? Well, you know, I'll tell you that I think that's a really good lesson for anybody who's looking at recovery money. They have to both look at the real-time needs of right now and what kinds of bets they could make on future industries. So the new jobs that are happening right now, no surprise, are mostly in technology, but we're seeing, so the one we're seeing in healthcare that nobody ever heard the name of before is contact tracer, right? And is that going to be something that moves on into the future or a job that's short term? I'm not sure that people, my friends at Burning Glass uh, coined a phrase called lifeboat jobs. I don't think lifeboat jobs are bad things. Get on that lifeboat, learn some skills, pay your bills, maybe put some money away. And when that job goes away, you're better for it, much better than sitting on your sofa waiting for your dream job to come across. But there have there has been a real uptick in tech jobs, clearly. You know, data analytics, cybersecurity, 
always seeing those. But if you look at um, a board like a job board like Indeed, it's really interesting to see the mix of jobs. You know, I think last week the of the top uh, of the top ten jobs, five of course were low paying healthcare jobs. You know, home health aide, nursing, a certified nursing assistant, all dangerous in a pandemic and not well paying. But really interesting to see that software developer has been on there throughout information services. So I think those tech jobs. I mean, we are a digital society. And if you don't have digital skills today, you better get them. Uh, And that goes for everybody. The other positive thing I would say is I'm, I've never been an investor in tech startups. I've never had that money. I'm a government worker and a teacher, right? <laughs> I don't have investment money. But the bottom line is I am a mentor for some of these uh, entities that incubate new tech, especially ed tech and workforce tech startups. And they have said that the investment money in startups, particularly those in, uh, in education-related fields and training-related fields, the money has been really plentiful since the summer. So I think what we're seeing is a lot of innovators, and that's what we're known for, right? That's what the United States is. We're a nation of innovators, me as an exception. But you really think about uh, the philanthropy. Yes, we see that money. But when you see, you know, uh, angels and venture capitalists really putting money into how we continue to learn and develop, I think that's a positive sign. Yeah. And, you know, I was looking at some of the uh, Census Bureau data and I see one and a half million new applications for uh, employer tax IDs in quarter three. That's mm-hmm. a big increase, 77 percent increase from the second quarter. So I think new job, you know, people are looking to start businesses, um, whether it be for job security or whether it be to to create opportunities for people who are being left behind by this new economy. Oh, Neil, I think that's so right. I mean, I think there's some people who are just fed up and they're thinking, I see a need in my community. I'm, I know I'll work hard. And even if they only create a job for themselves and maybe later some family members or some friends, that's a great thing. Small business has always been the engine of our economy. They're the job creators. All the big names that we all watch on the stock market and we all look and see what they're trending, we all care about them. We love big business. But the reality is they shed more jobs than they create. These small businesses, these mom and pops, they're creating businesses. And and I I just think people really think they want to be the master of their own destiny. They don't want to be relying on the ping pong, you know, atmosphere that we have right now with work. Jane, what are your top three keys for employers and employees right now to not only weather the storm, but also recover and grow? So for employers, I would say know your customer and watch your customer really carefully. And uh, number two, make sure your customer and your workers feel safe. For employees, I would say uh, the key right now is to look toward the future and to keep learning. And as I said, part of that learning should be digital skills. For those who are employed, how do you ask for a raise right now? Carefully. I, I, you know, I think 
I think right now is it's it's never a bad time to sell yourself. But right now, I think if you're going to go in and ask for a raise, you better have data about how you're helping the company's bottom line, how you're contributing to productivity and how this company can't live without you. Because the usual stance is I'm going to leave if you don't. And do you really want to be that direct with your employer right now in this economy? Right. You better have a place to go if you're going to say you're going to leave. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> you can't just say, I'll walk out of here right now because right now it's hard to get a job. I know the story of a guy in my industry who got a new job, went down the hallway, told everybody what he thought about them. He was moving off to California for a big new job. You know, the rest of the story, the job didn't come back, and he came back to those people hat in hand. I don't know how the story ended, but I can guess. (laughs) Boy, lesson one in life, don't burn bridges, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What does working from home mean for the future of all uh, workers? I mean, is it going to be a a negative plus or a minus in terms of availability of decent jobs? You know, I think it's going to be a mixed bag. I think the reality is some people have been more productive working from home. I think the positive is that all employers have seen that remote learning can be a positive for business. But I really worry about what it does longer term for families. I mean, I I can tell you myself, I work much longer hours working from home than I did when I uh, went and did a presentation or went to the office. And I think that we really have to look at at the the blending of that, that work never ends, that you can get a call at eight o'clock at night when you used to be reading a bedtime story to your kid. I, I think I think we need to be careful about that. And I also think we need to be careful about how much upward mobility happens because you see what I do. And I think that's particularly important for people who are underrepresented in an industry. So in some industries, men like male nurses, in some industries, you know, women, uh, always people of color. If you can't impress somebody on the work site, if they can't walk past you or have you come into a meeting and really a meeting that you might not have been invited to originally and have you really impress them with your knowledge and skills, I think that will be bad for the upward mobility professionally for so many people. You know, you may not have gone to the best school and you may not have been the first one they recruited, but they see your grit and determination on the work when you're working. I don't know whether they can see that as well remotely so that worries me and what is the biggest best most interesting idea that working nation is looking at and following right now jane I think the best thing we're looking at right now is data analytics. We really think that that field has so much to offer, not only for people who have PhDs from renowned institutions, yes, we need them, but also for people who are starting over or just starting uh, their their jobs in data tech, and those are going to grow. You know, the two of you know, uh, you look at analytics all the time for who's listening to you and who's who's uh, not listening and how you get to that audience. I have to tell you, I we think at Working Nation, data analytics is really the promising job pathway, the career pathway moving into the future. Jane Oates of WorkingNation.com, I bet you were a great teacher in New Jersey. 
Uh, I, I was the commissioner of higher ed in New Jersey under oh. Governor Corzine. I was a teacher in Boston and Philadelphia. And I would look to my students, mostly old folks now, to say, was I great? I know I loved every second of it. Both I taught for 15 years at the K-12, uh, K-12 level and loved every second of it. And by the way, moving to the Senate was no different than teaching in junior high. <laughs> and it's also said in politics sometimes that in the House anyway, the uh, members are not that much smarter than the students in junior high. <laughs> oh, Joe, that's terrible. And I really feel terrible doing it because I worked for 11 years on the Senate side and we always thought the Senate was better. <laughs> that's Jay Oates of WorkingNation.com. I'm Joe Connolly with Neil A. Caruso and we'll have someone else interesting for you next week. Bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.